spirit leading this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today Alright, we're back at it again This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant We thank you for tuning in again We are... Continuing our thread from last episode, which was two weeks ago, Mom, and uh, the thread is still relevant. It's about Thanksgiving, but being thankful through the holidays and getting through Thanksgiving. And now we have Christmas. Christmas season has dawned. You could see it in the lights. You can see it in people's excitement. They're going shopping. There's a little bit more scurrying going around. Do you hear that background noise? I think maybe we have a delivery coming in for our You probably Christmas. couldn't hear it, but... <laughs> I could hear it. It was distracting it me. It was our printer. Our printer. But go. Go. No, we're just trying to hopefully, in this time frame, give some type of encouragement, some type of revelation, not just information, not just storytelling, not just testimonial, something that you can hold on to, something intangibly concrete. Something that you can, in your situation, relate to. That's why it's relevant. Um, if you are confused, you happened upon this podcast accidentally, well, you're in the right place. If you want more information about who's talking, my name is Matthew Mayer. You can go to thematmayerstory.com, and there's a basic synopsis of my life and, and why I have this platform today. And um, dealing with my mother here in this room. She's mom, part of the Matt and Mom, and she has a very unique testimony herself i would say you're uniquely qualified mom to offer encouragement advice through grief you wrote a book titled slammed overcoming tragedy in the wave of grief and i think the difference between your book and other books that i've read that dealt with tragedy is yours is almost in real time you journaled through that season of losing a son you lost your oldest son my oldest brother john was his name and how much more relevant is this show now that we share the fact that he passed away only 10 days before Christmas, December 15, 2005. And if that wasn't heavy enough, he had just had his firstborn daughter four months prior. So here we're going into a season where everybody's excited for the first Christmas with a niece for me, a granddaughter for you, John's first daughter for him, and that was stripped away. The moment that death showed up, death came knocking, and when death shows up, usually nobody can do anything about it, but that's not the end of the story. In fact, that's the beginning, and the beginning of that story deals with life. We celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ in Christmas, and that would just be a somber story unless you really internalized what is going on during Christmas. The celebration of God wrapping himself in flesh, coming down, Emmanuel, God with us, to spend time with us, to comfort us, but most importantly, Mom, to live within us. And can you talk a little bit maybe about what that felt like or looked like for you? And maybe it'll hopefully talk about um, 
the 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 grief that arises even during the holidays or more so during the holidays. And what do you do? Well, I think when when you have something like that happen through the holidays, particularly Christmas, the contrast magnifies it, if you understand what I mean, because everything's so full of excitement and decoration. Sure. So let's say um, our house is usually lit up. Oh, and with that lights it up, and it was right. But now people are showing up, seeing Christmas on the outside. Exactly, um, Rudolph on the front lawn, yeah. and and Christmas trees, and they walk in. It's like they have to change their countenance, which is no longer Christmas because they're coming to comfort or they're coming to check up on you. Well, I just honestly do remember that one of the biggest contrasts for me was standing in my foyer with the two state troopers that came to tell us. And I had all these poinsettias. Because you're already decorated. Yeah, of course. I decorate December 1st. I love decorating. And the house, the tree lights were on. And and I cannot explain it more than almost metaphorically to say it was like all of the lights were snuffed out. like wow. a Like a black garment. Just it, it almost was offensive for me to look at the lights, the poinsettias. All those things that were pretty and cheery and it, celebratory of life. Yes, it, it became very hard to look at that stuff. So I think it magnified some sort of a mark in my heart about the holidays. And and anybody that's had any loss knows that those triggers, those red flags, come up when you're celebrating a birthday, an anniversary day, a significant event for that person that is lost. But then when you throw into the mix. Christmas or some big holiday like that, it, it's almost initially offensive. That's the only way I could explain it. Now, having said that, I wrote a column, and I just found it recently because of a new project that I'm doing. I went through all these old columns I had written for since 1980-something. So wow. go figure the amount of years in that. In fact, Matt, there's one where I'm talking about holding hands with my youngest little boy, and he's, it's you, going through the boxes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these boys are grown men. How quickly time goes. But I found this one column, and I am going to post it on my Facebook page because it talked about experiencing Christmas through a death where Jesus truly showed up like never before. Right. And it was so significant. And when I, in fact, when I... Put it on my Facebook page. I'll let our listeners know, too, because it's, it's really worth the read uh, how the spiritual aspects of Christmas are so different for me now than they were when before John died. But one of the things that you brought up was um, navigating. And I, I think, again, it goes back to your foundation. When you're first hit with a loss or any shocking situation, you are literally paralyzed. It's like you can't move. You can't think. In fact, when you are thinking, your mind's going a, a million miles a minute, but it's basically repeating the bad news in your head because you're not quite sure where to compartmentalize it because it doesn't fit. You don't want it to fit. But having said that, when your foundation is, um, as a child of God, someone that knows that God loves you in spite of this, as much as you don't feel that, you know it in your heart. Therefore, you respond to your heart in that way. And that's when that peace of God begins to fill you. But one of the things I wanted to share was something I actually wrote in a journal. Um, it was only four uh, 
four weeks after John died, so a month, which is not a lot. Of course, it was after Christmas, but I found it was just um, a way to explain what I was writing. I didn't think I was feeling, if you can understand what I mean. I was writing what I was feeling, but in my heart and mind, we're thinking two different things. You know, you're devastated by your thoughts, but your heart is being comforted by the Holy Spirit. But I said, it's now been a few weeks since John has been gone. And here's what I wrote. This is right out of my journal. I felt like God just carried me the first two weeks. I also felt like I was caught in a tidal wave, and I was letting it take me willingly and thoughtlessly. Now, time has a way of letting the reality set in. The deep sense of loss. The empty recliner. No longer listening for squeaks on the floor from John's habit of late night eating. The overflow of food in the cupboards is obvious. The emptiness is like a cloud that I could feel when I walk into a room. I sometimes feel like it will choke me. It weakens me and leaves me paralyzed, without energy, stagnant. All of the time I expect him to come home, to walk in, to call, to ask what I'm cooking, to help me with the baby. Is there leftover pizza in the fridge? No more. So now I feel like I'm caught in an undertow and it's pulling me to the ocean's depth. My emotions are all over the place. I am back at work and I am worried if I see someone, they will give me a condolence and I might fall apart. My sister is a comfort. I feel paralyzed in my thinking and my life is on hold. Now this is what I want to get to. I mean, you understand I'm painting this picture of emotions, but here's what I wrote. My sleep is full of disruptions, but the disruptions is when spiritual music fills my head. It's like every waking moment. It's like the angels are following me around and they are singing loudly to penetrate my sorrowful state. All I hear is songs, praises to God, spiritual musings. I know my God is merciful and I know whether now in the here or the hereafter, the whys and the wide knots of this tragic ending. But until then, I know that God is good. Wow. So, I mean, there's a few things to glean from that. That's in real time. Yeah, that was when I was bleeding. So the, the, the fog, the, the heaviness was real. I mean, we're not here saying that is not real. That Absolutely. is real. The grief is real. God in the Bible gives us a season or a period of grief where people are going through it. He says, yeah, it's normal. And you know what? Strangely, I might dare to go there. I'm going to. God may be the creator of grief. He may be the one that allows that grief to set in because I think it's in grief that usually if we navigate it properly, you get to the other side of your journal, which is what you just shared on the end. Uh, well, look, even if you look at the Psalms, that's what you see. You see this, the grief, and then it ends with a praise. Right. And there is a particular proverb that says, it is better to be in the house of mourning that's than in, in the Ecclesiastes. house of feast, feasting. Oh, there we go. Solomon wrote it, so we'll give you that. He did write a lot of proverbs. <laughs> He's right on that. It is Ecclesiastes. It is better to be in the house of mourning than in you know a celebratory place. And yes, because you're more reflective, you're more contemplative about life, and it's usually in that funeral parlor or that that sanctuary where the casket is open in front of you that you're thinking more clearly about the life you're living, and you can perhaps leave there more thankful or more purpose driven or more passionate. So yes. God would allow these things to get us to see that. And we have to really talk about what does Christmas mean in the first place. It's, it's a time that we as a people, believers, we aren't celebrating ho, ho, ho and Santa Claus coming down our chimney. We're celebrating that God 
entered mankind in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. And he wrapped himself in flesh and he entered our mess. Can you imagine? He entered our mess. He was not born in a palace. He was born in a stable, in a manger, in a feeding trough of a lamb. The lamb of God was born in a trough. It was dirty. It was smelly. Mary was probably 14, 15, 16 years old. They said very young. She doesn't know what is happening. Angels didn't show up immediately. I mean, she had to go through that childbirthing process. Joseph was probably so confused. And here you have the entry of God into mankind. And that is the most unbelievable story that you have to, even as a skeptic, say, who would make up such a thing? If I was going to make up a story about God coming to earth, you know what it would look like? It would look like all the holiday movies, or not the holiday, all the Hollywood movies about the Greek culture and their gods are more superior or more powerful than man. And they do come down to earth but only to govern the mankind's issues. And What? But we have a, a Bible that tells us God subjected himself to be a man, to feel as a man would feel, yet through it all suffering – did so without sinning, so that he can be pinned to a cross by man. The ones he came to save are the ones, us, who killed him. <laughs> Excuse me. Yet that we find out that was God's plan all along. He yes. ordained it. He purposed it. And I think, you know, through Christmas specifically, understanding that God entered into my mess personally, it could hopefully help me get to that point in your journal where you're writing about, I'm hearing these songs, these angelic voices comforting me, and that's real. Oh. Or were you delusional? Oh, my goodness, was it real. I, You know what, Matt? There's times now when I lay down and I say, Lord, where are those angels that I know are singing? But I think when you are in such the depths of sorrow, the line between heaven and earth just splits. I really believe that, and I think that... When we're spiritually broken, we hear and feel and see so much more of our God. Well, it's, it's, the word would be detached. We're, we're usually detached from the world around us in grief. Yes. And it, it's like you're in a fog. But if you can handle oh. or, or let me say, let me choose my words carefully. If you can tap into that detachment and it detaches you from the world below you and it can potentially attach you to the world above you, that's heaven. That's how heaven speaks to the man on earth because he's detached himself. I don't have to go through grief and, and tragedy to maintain that um, potency from, to hear from God. I think some of the greatest evangelists of all time, they, they lived in a perpetual state of detachment. Yes, they were living. Yes, there was um, encounters with other people. Um, but they were so detached from the world around them that they were attached to the world above them. And God was able to speak so powerfully through them. Yes, and yes. he comforts people when we're detached and – you know, you can go get comfort from a counselor or a family member, but that comfort doesn't touch the soul. No. No, it's different. And and I think that's the motivation behind why we're doing what we do is because when you experience it, you so want others to know it's there. It's there for the asking. Yeah, the, let me say the hardest thing for me wasn't – I did four years and seven months in prison um, – Obviously, the hardest thing wasn't prison. The hardest thing was knowing I caused somebody else's family endless pain or immeasurable pain that I was responsible for the death of an innocent man and then how that affected you guys. That was the struggle for Matt Mayer. It wasn't prison. It wasn't, oh, my life has ended. No, that wasn't it. But on a different level, 
being in prison, the thing that I was really troubled by was seeing other people struggle, mom, that they could not snap out of the fog, the grief, the despair, the the bitterness, the anger that they were there and they couldn't snap out of it. And that used to break my heart because I was at such peace. I wanted to go over there and just give them a load of my peace, but I, um, you can't. They can only see it on you and thankfully God used that peace to attract people to the Prince of Peace. People saw it, guys that we've talked about in episodes past, the Jason Williams of the world, the John Little John Palladinos, the Tommy Fredericks, the Sean McGurks, they saw the peace that surpasses all understanding. It guarded me more than the prison guarded me, and they were attracted to it. And then they had to willingly receive it themselves because yes. God will not force it upon anyone. He's the perfect gentleman. He bows to humanity. We have to, he, he says he knocks. He's knocking on the door of hearts, and the doorknob's on the inside, and it's up to the person to open it up for him to enter. I love that. I love that because it shows that God's not going to force himself upon anyone. I think that is the most, the purest level of love. That he's, you can't force relationship upon anyone. And the fact that he's willing to wait for us. Hey, um, I'm going to be, well, by this point, we, I will have already shared with the church. But this thought was, God is still so faithful with us, even though we are so fickle toward him. He still waits for us to spend time with him, even though we act like he doesn't exist. Can you imagine mm. if somebody acted like that, mom, a friend or a spouse? We oh. would call them pathetic, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. You're pathetic. Yeah, he says, no, I just love you. And it's a healthy love. It's a love that, that doesn't want to take advantage. It's a love that wants to care. It's a love that wants to comfort. It's a love that wants to, to administer the, the riches of what his love is all about. So, and then doesn't that once again, knowing the knowledge and character of God, talking about how he's just right there no matter what, doesn't that help us when people do shun us, turn their back on us, don't support us? So what do you say to yourself when someone's not supporting you that you expect to support you? I know in my life, I'll just say, that's all right, God, because you support me and you show me support regardless. So... I think whenever we talk about the character of God, it helps. I know it helps me. I'm hoping that it helps those that are tuning in to know that no matter what is happening to you, God is right next to you. And he's in the midst of it. And he's just waiting for you to just fall into his lap. Just right. fall into his lap. You have to spend time with him. I am a firm believer in you cannot know the character of someone unless you spend time with them. You can watch a person on TV and think they have shining character, but then it, it, something happens where that person that you esteemed comes crumbling down, crashing down, and what happened was you didn't know them. You didn't know that in private they were characterless. So you have to spend time with God to understand his character. And The only way to spend time with God, not only through prayer, but through the reading of the word, it is what he left to us. Now, without understanding the power, the, it could just be words on a piece of paper, but that's not what it is. When those words get inside of you, that is when God can speak to you. He's not going to speak audibly. He can, he won't. He can, but he most likely won't. Let me say it like that. He speaks through his word. It's his word that has to get inside of us for us to understand who he is. And like we would have probably could have talked about maybe next episode, the characters in the Bible that went through certain seasons mm. and the only way they knew the character of, of God was because they 
intentionally spent time with him. And I think that's really what, what's missing, not only in the church today, but in the, the proclaimed believers who are struggling. And I think when we struggle to represent God, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what season it is, we're not giving the non-believer a true look into the character of God. Mm-hmm. So we're doing it at God's expense. And I am you know, quick to bring up the facts of people that you would call friendly mom and they were believers and they're Christians. They wear the label Christian, which means you believe in Christ, which means you're proclaiming the character of God. Yet those people would come to you in our tragedies and at the expense of God, I say, say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry about this. Like, I'm, I don't know how God's going to work this out. That's basically what they're saying. I don't know how God's going to work this one out. I'm so sorry. And they're doing it at God's expense. Can you imagine? I remember someone actually saying to me, I wish all of your things weren't so public because it brings such a negative light on Christianity. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. I remember who said it, too. And you say, I remember it struck my heart. Like, But it also was the antithesis, the complete opposite of the way I felt. Because I felt from the beginning, if God put us in this position, and yeah, we were more visible in the community than most people, dad being chief, I had a column in the newspaper, then didn't God want it that way? Didn't he want the spotlight to shine, hoping, me hoping, him knowing that we would be able to walk through that and give him glory? And that's why even looking at what you're doing now, uh, it makes me think back to some of the things people said that, that drowned, drowned me, like pushed me under the water further. You know, because I'm human. People say stuff like that. You, it eats at you until you process it through prayer, which I always try to do. But I think of all that God's doing in your life. And that's why, Matt, I'm in touch with a couple people right now whose children did similar situations as yours. And I just keep every single day, send them some nugget of hope. Don't lose hope. Know who your God is. If I read something scripturally that I know talks about being in the depths of sorrow, I'll send it to them. Because I want them not to go, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. You're never going to survive it. You're dead. You're done. You may as well give up. No. That is so dishonoring to God. Does it hurt like heck? Yes. Is it, was it embarrassing? Humiliating. Right. Did you go, did I go through a, a point where I didn't even want to be seen in public for a while? Absolutely. I'd be a liar if I didn't say so. But once it surrendered piece by piece by piece, God just kept building and building, building something even deeper. Yeah. Uh, we close with truly the, the end of the gospel stories as most people tell it, which would be the cross. And imagine what that looked like from God's perspective. To man, it looked terrible. That's why all of his disciples, his friends, his followers ran and, and, and left, and they were so confused. But imagine God knowing what that moment meant. In fact, Jesus' entire life in ministry, in obscurity, was purposed for that moment. So it was almost like heaven was celebrating, knowing that when he got to that cross and when he would yield up his spirit, that death was going to be defeated. Because three days later, we know that that tomb was empty. And that's the hope of eternity. And I, can I add to that, as you said, that 
let us not forget his mother who was at the foot of the cross who must have left there saying this certainly did not end up at all like I thought what was this about and for three days probably wrestled with God in her heart only to have the glorious revelation of what was to transpire once he rose from the dead yeah she knew that that was prophecy I hope she remembered that. Do you think she knew it? I at think the so. I, think the she, I don't. I think those. Fla- I think it flashed back. It might not have been because she was claiming it, or maybe it was. Maybe she was saying because it says this. This child is going to be responsible for yeah, the division. You, it's going to be. It's, it's going to be a, a sore to your heart, Mary. Absolutely. And I and, think. And she was probably saying, oh, "I don't know." Yeah, I don't, don't know. I don't. I can only speak as a mom, and you can't. I will tell you this. In my opinion, even if she had. The notions, as I did, God, you're in control of my life. When when John was taken, my first thought was, "All right, God, you have him. He couldn't live here." But did that did that feel right? Watching the circumstances, no, no, you're right. So I'm talking about she she had to be so oh, squeezed for sure. All of them, even her. Yeah, because you're saying she knew prophecy. So no, no, the, I'm saying didn't I'm the saying, apostles know uh, prophecy too? Yeah, it says it wasn't Paul until must, after the fact that it was brought back to their memory, their attention. They said, yes, oh, my goodness, he I'm said saying. it all along. Had I missed this? I'm saying Mary was definitely struggling. I mean, she definitely wrestled that weekend. She definitely was grieving. That was her, her baby boy. Mary, did you know? And, But I'm thinking there may have been that recollection of, man, the angel himself. I saw an angel. Do you ever see an angel, Mom? Never you ever seen saw, an angel? I've never seen an angel. Never seen an angel. Mary saw an angel. An angel reported to her. I know this. Her. Every time an angel shows up, they say, fear not. So I don't know. It's got to be quite an event. Sure, sure. But we'll save that for the, the theologians in heaven to debate. Um, Christmas time is, uh, is upon us. We will be doing another episode before Christmas, probably more involved with the idea behind getting through Christmas if you're struggling with something. But we do appreciate you tuning in today, sharing these podcasts. Go on Facebook. Go to the com. click on the Matt and Mom Live tab. All of our episodes are archived there. Feel free to share them as you will. That's what they're for. We close all shows reminding you that the clearest testimony you have isn't the one you share verbally for people to hear. It's the one you're living visually for people to see. And Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. We thank you. God bless. Just as I am, despite all my flaws, he takes the pain from my flesh and leaves it right at the cross. Which way are you going? Yahweh, you don't know him. I answer his calling. Y'all people ain't knowing. He breathed in my lungs and spared me from Satan. And now that I love even my loved ones, they hate. Waiting patiently, pacing for me to fall on my face. But I'm falling in faith. Pardon me for his grace. There's a battle I did. Spiritly in this realm, there's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell, there's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying, and the father in jail, with a son by his side, but our father, he loves us, unlike any of us, gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross, I know where you're going, if you live in that light, no one perfect among us, but in the dark we are light, thank you Jesus, I love you. 
spread the, the news If you live in a lie, you ain't gon' die with the truth doing something different. Nah. Don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time? Wow. So what makes you think that you're doing something different? You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. I've been there. 